Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. All right. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Um, If you are new with us today, we just want to welcome you, tell you thank you for making us part of your weekend. So bless you for being here. Um, I know that many of you have already been listening to uh, Christmas music since uh, Halloween night. Like you, you know, we're all decked out in whatever garb you were in and you just put on a good, you know, Bing Crosby record or something. But um, I don't know if you've given it much thought, but uh, Christmas song lyrics can be a, a, a tad bizarre. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of odd and, and strange. The, the 12 Days of Christmas, even though it's a good song, that kind of, if you calculated out all of the gifts, you inherit 23 birds and 49 people. So it's like you get a pet store and a posse um, after singing that, that whole song. Um, you also, uh, there's some creepy stuff, which we've brought this up before, but uh, you know the whole he sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake has kind of got a, a creepy feel to it. Um, Jingle Bells um, says, I don't know if you've noticed the verses on this song, but I'm going to read them to you. It says, a day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was sitting by my side. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. We got into a drifted bank, and then we got upshot. So it's just, uh, this, this guy's a real, real poet. But um, then our, our classic one, it says, uh, A child, a child, shivering in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold, because that makes a lot of sense to bring a shivering child a gold bar. But um, one of the most popular phrases at Christmas time, at least modern Christmas, is the phrase, peace on earth. You see it everywhere. It started a month ago, and it'll be on banners and in print and and all kinds of things. You'll see it around stores for marketing and advertisement. Peace on earth, peace on earth. And we throw it around like it's a buzzword but um, it's so true that we need some peace on earth. It doesn't take long to go shopping, get in public, go eat somewhere, uh, go to a concert, and you realize that there are some high-strung folks out there. Um, We do a lot of online shopping. I don't know um, how many of you are online shoppers, but we do a lot, and I think it's because the closer I get to the 50 mark, Man, I become more and more impatient with folks um, in crowded places. I, I don't want to hear them. Um, I don't want to see them. David and I were in at some place in Memphis a week ago, and a fight broke out in front of us. It was just—it's nuts how 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 crazy people can act. Um, I'm just not sure that a lot of people um, have the luxury of looking at their lives and saying, um, "I have peace." You know, I've got, a, I've got a peaceful life. And when I look at, uh, let's just say we start the 700 years before Christ was born up to the modern, the modern church, it is 
um, historically accurate that humanity has always struggled with peace. And so whether you're looking at a history book, you're looking at scripture, um, you know, you've, you've been told a story, you've seen it on, on your own in a, at, a, at a mall, uh, our humanity um, almost demands uh, chaos. We are addicted to it. Um, it's like if life gets too peaceful, we'll sabotage it. We'll throw a, a, our own wrench in it. Um, to create some drama so that we can live like that because it's what we're used to. It's almost like you can't handle peace. And if you kind of look in the middle of that window, that time frame that I, I just gave you, Mary and Joseph show up on the scene, and this really isn't a peaceful time. It's peaceful to us because we see the end result, so we know um, what happens? You know, we, we know that the story works out. And so for us, we're like, this is a beautiful story. But for them, living through it and in it was challenging. Because you have to look at a very young couple. You've got the declaration of a virgin birth. It was so shocking. Angelic beings had to get involved to calm them. And, you know, one had to go to Joseph and say, listen, it's okay. It's okay that you take her to be your wife. This is okay. Everything's good. God has a plan. But they were on their way to pay taxes. Paying taxes is never fun. She's pregnant, riding on a donkey. Can't be fun. Shows up. There's nowhere to go. Nowhere to stay. No one can take them in. That can't be fun. Um, she starts having contractions. That's got to have some anxiety with it. And you know how the, how the story plays out. They end up in a stable and... They lay Jesus in a manger, which is a feeding trough. And um, it was, it's just, you know, again, on our side of it, we go, man, how adventurous, how amazing, how lowly that the Prince of Heaven would come down and, and have such a humble birth. But for them, it, it was a time where they really had to trust God. And so when we look at this, even 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah prophesies and he declares something in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, a child, watch this, has been born for who? Us. And God has given us a son. And he will be called the Prince of Peace. I find some irony here that in a world full of chaos and turmoil and, and drama and personalities and conflicts and agendas, that Isaiah says, listen, there's going to be a prince come and he's bringing peace. He's going he's to calm some things. He's going to soothe some things. He's going to make some things that are not all right feel all right. Because he's bringing peace. At the first Christmas, angels appeared and to uh, shepherds and they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace. Isaiah announces peace. The angels announce peace. Jesus' entire ministry was about bringing some peace, at least of mind. I don't know, he turned a culture upside down, he turned lives upside down, but everyone that came in contact with him just had something about being in his presence. They were just at 
peace with him. Before Christ ascends into heaven, he says this, I'm going to give you the gift of peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. And I love this because he's differentiating. He's saying, there's some things that'll get you through. There's some things that'll get, get, get you by. But I have a kind of peace that is only tethered to me. You can only have this kind by coming to me. And he's challenging them. He's challenging them to be in him. And this word peace, if we define it, the Hebrew word is shalom. And this word shalom is, is very deep. Um, it's, it's, it's a deep inner peace. One that is um, like being underground in the middle of, of a storm. You may not hear what's going on. Your mind may tell you, yeah, it's storming out there. But, but you're so protected and covered. You don't hear anything. You don't feel anything. There's nothing to really present anxiety. You just know here that something is going on. This is what shalom is, a deep peace. And so to describe it, this is what it says. This is the the Hebrew definition. To be safe, to be sound, to be complete, to have a sense of well-being, to have a sense of fullness, To be at rest. It goes on to say it's the absence of agitation and discord. It is a state of being calm without anxiety or stress. How many of you need some shalom in the home, right? You need a state of deep peace. You need something right now to come over you and tell you everything is going to be okay be a truth bringer. That's what peace, what peace does. It speaks truth. This is the only kind of peace that Christ brings. It is fullness. It is completeness. It is wholeness. It is absence of agitation and discord. It cannot be found in prescription form. You cannot find it on vacation. You can't find it in someone special. You can't find it in the trunk of a brand new car. There's nothing you can go out and buy today that would bring you peace. There's nothing you can have, no one you can be with that brings you that kind of depth of peace. It only comes through Christ. Now, some of you are here today And when you hear this definition, it feels like it's your life is the exact opposite of what I just talked you through. Life is not peaceful. It's challenging. It's emotional. You may even go so far to say that you're carrying some trauma, some hurt, some grieving, some big question marks, some confusing points. Where do we go from here? What do we do? How do we overcome? How do we get past this? How am I supposed to live after that? These are things that are happening in our lives in this room and outside of this room. Our entire community is asking this kind of question. Some of us, we this only becomes heightened because of the holiday. 
It's like you're expected to be happy, but, but you're not. You're going and buying some gifts. And some of those gifts are for people you don't even like. You're going to show up to a home or some event, and maybe you're having to see people that you haven't seen in a long time. And the holiday causes us to do some things sometimes, which is to pause, to step back from our busyness. So maybe you get away from work three or four, five days, seven days, whatever you got, and you, you step away, and suddenly the change of cadence and pace causes other things to surface that you've been using your busy life to subdue and suppress. And now because the busyness is not there anymore, it, it just comes out, and every, everything, it's like shaking up a, a can of Coke and taking the lid off, and suddenly things that have been in you just goes everywhere and all over everybody. Not, not peace, and it's not fun. You say Merry Christmas to everybody, but really that's your code word for saying, I can't wait to get out of here. And there are a lot of things that can rob us of peace, and I'm going to talk about a few of those this morning. The first one is this, unavoidable circumstances. Things you didn't ask for, things you didn't plan, things you didn't see coming, they're unavoidable. They bumped into you, you became a victim, you certainly didn't, didn't volunteer. It's like poof, they weren't there yesterday, but now suddenly there's an unavoidable circumstance in front of us and it has robbed me of peace. John records Jesus talking and in chapter 16, verse 33, he says this. He says, these things I speak to you, that in me, you will have peace. But in the world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Now leave, leave that up for a second. He's, he's basically saying this. Listen up. I'm speaking to you and I want you to hear me. That's, that's what he's saying. In me, you're going to have peace. So imagine you encapsulated by the peace of God. But then you are also in the world. And he says, in the world there's going to be trouble. So he doesn't preach, because you're in me, you're not going to experience anything. He says, you're going to experience something, but if, you, if you're in me, if you stay in my peace, you're going to make it. You're going to come out the other side. You can walk through a valley of the shadow of death and you can come out the other side stronger because you're in me and then together we are walking through the world. And he said, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you peace. So there's going to be wind, there's going to be storm, there's going to be rain, and just because you're following Christ does not remove you from that equation. He's saying, but what I am going to give you is peace to go through it. So when you do have, have a storm, go through the storm with peace. When you do have winds, when you do have rain, when you have unavoidable circumstances, I'm with you. I haven't left. I'm still here. In your unavoidable circumstance, you can have peace. Now, this is not the scripture we all get happy about. We don't end letters with it. We don't put it in emails. We don't put it on texts. We don't put it on t-shirts that says, I will have trouble in the world. Yay! No, we, we, we don't do that. 
Jesus said, listen, it's going to come, and these things are going to happen to you as a result of life. Because you're alive, you're going to have a storm. You're going to have an unavoidable circumstance. Some of you, this year, you said goodbye to people you did not want to say goodbye to, but you did it. You had job changes. You had circumstances shift. You had an exit ramp that you had to take. You had some, something forced you to do something, to make, make a move, to make a change. You went to funerals. You watched your kids go to college. Your kids are growing up. You, you don't want them to, but they do it anyway. It's unavoidable, and it causes a shift for you. Some of you lost in some areas this past year. You go, yeah, my life changed, and... I lost in, in, in some areas. That's your wind. That's your rain. That's your storm. But in the middle of that, you can have peace. These are unavoidable circumstances. The 26th president of the United States was Teddy Roosevelt. and You know he was tough as nails, a man's man, fascinating leader, adventurer, free spirit. But it all changed in one day. If you've ever read through his history, you know where I'm going with this. But his mother and his wife died on the same day. And it took him down. It sapped him of his strength. It sapped him of his desire to lead. It sapped him of his adventurous spirit. And for four years, he stayed broken, recluse, isolated, went off to a ranch that, that, that he owned and stayed there for 48 months. It completely just depleted him of his joy. Jeremiah, an ancient prophet, records in his book, chapter 4, verse 20. He says, disaster follows disaster, and the whole land lies in ruin. What he's quoting is this. Something happened, and then something else happened. And then something else. And then something else. We couldn't catch our breath. Disaster after disaster after thing after thing after thing after chaos after chaos after chaos and sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, sunrise and sunset, on and on and on until I looked around and the whole thing just felt like a collapsed city. I don't know if you feel that way about your own circumstances, but it's possible that this is the kind of year you've had. Maybe kind of two years, maybe the kind of decade you had. Maybe your childhood was like this. Now as an adult, you can't sleep, you can't rest, you, 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 you think about it, maybe you got kids of your own and you look at your life and go, how am I going to be a parent when I wasn't parented? And you start to think in this pattern of disaster after disaster and, and, and suddenly you find yourself at the end of a rope and you've just tied a knot in it and you're trying to just hold on. But there's this great story in Scripture I'm going to reference for just, just a few minutes. This story in Scripture, these disciples are out on, on the sea and a storm comes up suddenly, okay, unavoidable. Didn't, didn't detect it, didn't check their app before they went out and suddenly there's, there's a storm and they're, they're caught in it and Jesus is with them, okay? So he's in the boat, but he's tired. He's been on a, on a ministry tour. He is out of it. He is asleep in the bottom of, of this boat. And the disciples, because the storm got stronger and stronger and stronger, they go from being concerned to being anxious to being in a panic until one of them goes down and says, Lord, 
Why are you asleep? Do you not care if we die? And man, I can't tell you the amount of times in my life I've said something like this to God. It wasn't these words exactly, but it was similar. It was in the ballpark. You look at your life, your circumstance, your season, your moment, and you go, hey, I know you're in there somewhere, but it sure feels like you're asleep. It sure feels like you're, you're disconnected. It sure feels like you're letting this go on for longer than is necessary. And then you take it a step further. Do you not care that things are falling apart? Do you not care that I'm scared? Do you not care that I'm losing sleep? Do you not care that I feel this physically in my body? Do you not care about what's happening with relationships and my finances and my reputation and on and on and on? And you, you lay it out because you've said the same things. We're no different than these men in this boat. Jesus makes his way to the bow and you know what he says. He speaks three incredible words. Peace, be still. Now, I believe that this one phrase is a two-point sermon. I think he's saying peace to the disciples and be still to the storm. In, in my mind's theater, he breaks it down. And he looks at them and he's like, listen, peace. And then he steps to the storm and says, and you be quiet too. Now I'm going back to sleep because I'm tired. Nobody better wake me up. He calls everybody to peace, the storm and the soul of man in one statement. I believe he can still do it. I believe he's still in us. I believe he's saying the peace that I have is with you. I am there. But what he's also going to attempt during wind, rain, and storm is to grow you, is to stretch you. He's not always going to just swoop in and rescue at the beginning because he wants to grow you. He wants you to trust when you feel raindrops falling. He wants you to trust when tears roll down your face that he is still there. He's still the ever-present help in the time of trouble. When David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, no evil. It, it says through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not death. It just seems like it. I don't know if you've ever been, I'm going to die in this. You ever felt that way? I'm not going to make it out. I'm going to lose my mind before this is over. Okay, are y'all with me? Is anybody? <laughs> Two of you. Okay, that's great. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to fall apart. This thing is going to end. But he said, no, no, no. See, what I want you to do is I, I want you to trust me. I want you to know that I'm there. I want you to know I'm beside you. I do want you to know, yes, you're in a storm, but I am with you. And that makes all the difference in the world, an unavoidable circumstance. Then quickly, there's also unbearable people. I don't know if you've got an unbearable people in your life, but I've, I've had a few. Some of you might say, I'm, I'm married to an unbearable person. I don't. If you're sitting beside them, please, don't, don't look at them or poke them in the ribs. Don't, just stay still. 
unbearable. You got to be around this person. They change the entire culture of, of your job, of your home, the dinner table, the living room, the morning routine. It's unbearable. It's always an attitude. It's always drama. It's always chaos. It's always the world is on fire. It's, it's always something that just, like, would you please just calm down? Like, your anxiety gives me anxiety. Unbearable. David wrote out in Psalm 23, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of the unbearable people in my life, you present something wonderful and beautiful and pleasant to me. Now, here's the kicker on this. Unless you have the enemy, unless you have the unbearable person in your life, you don't get a table. So we need to thank God for those circumstances. Thank God for those people who keep us humble. Thank God for those people who make us think, I am so glad I'm not you. He prepares a table before you. There are people in our lives who will snatch the joy right out of you. They will snatch the peace right out of you. And if you let them, they'll do it a lifetime. They will sap you of strength, rob you of joy. There's also unexplainable problems. This is the worst for us because we want to make the world make sense. The way my brain works, the way my personality is, is I want it to make sense. When people die, I want that to make sense. I want it to follow in a natural order where people bury their parents, not their children. I want it to be where people grow old, really old. My grandmother, she was passing. She was like 97. My grandfather was just about to be 101. And she was like, I am so ready to die. <laughs> and I was like, man, this girl's praying for death. I mean, you know, I was like, that's the way it should be. And when people die in their 40s, and when children die, and when people pray for a baby and then they miscarry, it's terrible and it makes no sense. You go, man, these are phenomenal people and they just lost everything they own. How does that make sense? I'm just talking about, about myself. I know there's all kind of unexplainable things in this room. You've looked at your life and, and scratched your head more than me. But I know this. One day we're going to stay in the presence of God and everything about our lives is going to make, make a lot of sense. There's going to be clarity. Here's why I, I believe that. Because I believe our steps are ordered of God. I believe God has a plan. I believe He's divine. I believe He's sovereign. I believe he's, he's omniscient and omnipotent. I believe he knows what he's doing. And I believe when he looked at your life, he said, this is what I got a plan for you. 
And so everything in our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, is all an opportunity for us to grow and know and develop and be with him and understand, even though we may not understand it in this life. Job never got insight to his trial. Never. He knows now that he's in the presence of God, but he did not know in this life. So here's here's the story of Job in a sentence. It is about faith being better than an answer. And that's how we have to live. With these unexplainable things is to go, my faith is going to rise to the surface and it's going to be the lenses by which I see the world. If not, you're going to be a very sour and bitter person. Because everything's going to be, well, why did this happen? Why did this ha- happen to me? I did not, not deserve this. She didn't deserve that. And, and if God loves us, then, then this would, I wouldn't have done this to my kids. So why in the world would God have done, done, done this to me? And suddenly there's, there's unexplainable. And what you have to do through faith is just accept that God knows what he's doing. And that God is love. And he loves you when you're hurt. He loves you when you're in trauma. He loves you when you're making hard decisions. He loves you when you're not at peace. He loves you in every storm. He loves you. But you may have to rely on the fact that you're going to go through life and not know why it happened to you. And that's okay. Because he does. At the birth of Jesus, there were 300 prophecies in the Bible fulfilled And Isaiah said, he will be called the Prince of Peace. Now, in the Hebrew, this comes from two words, sar, S-A-R, shalom, sar, shalom. Sar is a word that means this, the one in charge. It means general. It means chief. We later turned this into the word czar, C-Z-A-R. And, of course, shalom, which we've already talked about, is rest and tranquility. If, If you put those two together, sar, shalom, it could literally mean the chief of rest, the general of tranquility, the prince of peace. Isaiah says, Sar Shalom is coming to you. The general of tranquility is about to invade your life. The chief of rest is on his way. The prince of peace. In John 14, 1, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Okay? You know what what he's saying here? Is trust me. Remember, this is not your peace. It's his peace. This isn't about you trying to better yourself, muster the strength, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. This isn't about any of that, that type of language. This is about you receiving the peace of God. I receive it. I receive the Prince of Peace. I receive the General of Tranquility. I receive the Chief of Rest in my life. I don't have to produce it. I don't have to put it together. I don't have to have all the ingredients. I just have to receive Him. I've got to believe in Him. I've got to trust that even though I'm in the middle of this storm, He is with me. This thing I'm going through has an expiration date. 
My life isn't always going to look like this. But when I come out, my spirit is going to be so charged and so full because I survived it. David said, I laid down and I slept because you kept me. The word he uses there is sustained. I lay down and I slept the whole night because you kept me. You know what that is? That's the the chief of rest, the general of tranquility, the prince of peace. There was an old story that came out in the Reader's Digest. I know it's very old. That For those of you who are too young to remember this, this would be pre-Wi-Fi. This article was written up, and I'm going to read you just a little bit from it. It says, A screaming woman was trapped inside her car. It was about to plunge off the edge of a ridge in East L.A. A half dozen motorists stopped, grabbed some rope and jumper cables from their vehicles, tied them together, tied them to the woman's car, and physically hung on to it until a fire truck could arrive. A ladder was extended under the car to help stabilize it while the firefighters and tow truck drivers worked to cable it. One of the rescuers observed every time they would move the car, the lady would scream out loud. And they noticed that she was screaming a similar phrase over and over and over again. About 25 people in all were there between the passerbyers, the police officers, the tow truck drivers, and the firefighters. And eventually, after two and a half hours, they secured the car and pulled the woman to safety. And all through the episode, she continued to yell and talk and repeat a phrase over and over to anyone who would listen. Awkwardly enough, the phrase that she yelled for two hours was, I can do this myself. Now we know that this was probably due to shock, but there's some truth in this. It's because a lot of times in, in our world, in, our, in the Western culture, we are just screaming to anyone who will listen, I can do this myself. I don't need you. I don't need them. I sure don't need God. I'll toughen up enough. I'll learn it. I'll get better at it. There's nothing wrong with you being involved, but there is something to be said of fully surrendering your trust into the hands of God. Don't be that person who's walking around in your circumstance right now, your unavoidable, your unbearable, and your unexplainable circumstance, and say, I don't need anybody's help. I can do that. I can do it myself. Stop touching it. Stop holding on to me. Stop helping. I can do it. I can do it. Isaiah 26, in verse 3, he says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. It also means unwavering, 
because they trust you. We have peace because we trust him. It's who we put our faith in, our belief in, our trust in that equates to the peace of God in our lives. Well, let me end with this. At the peak of his fame, Elvis Presley did a, an interview, and the reporter said, Elvis, man, you're, you're killing it. You're, you're wealthy, you're famous. You came from nothing. And look at what, what your giftedness is doing. I mean, you're, you've played all over the world. You've been in movies. Anything you want, you can buy. People want to be you. You're a household name. And she said, if you could have one thing, what, what would you want? The guy who can do anything and summon anybody to him and they would come. The man who meets presidents. And the household name. What, what would you have everything? What would you want? And he looked at her and he said, I would give a million dollars for one day of peace. I just want some peace. These planes do not bring peace. Me playing, singing, and entertaining thousands and thousands of people. Everybody knowing my name. It, it, I can go into any store anywhere and pretty much buy what I want, but I have no peace. You know what that makes it? Priceless. To have peace, rest, tranquility. It's a gift of the Lord, and it's accessible to you. Now let me end with two, two verses here. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Okay? It's the same verse that uses the word surpasseth. Surpasses all understanding. Peace of God. You can't explain it. You can't put your finger on it. You can't put it under a microscope. You just can't. It's that good. It's that wonderful. It's beyond our ability to fathom it. We just know we're in it. We just know we experience it. Colossians 3.13, which is a motif for our family, it says, let, let the peace of God rule your heart, okay? Now, we learn to apply this in our home and marriage the hard way. Because we would get godly counsel. We would calculate on paper and it all makes sense. We would intellectually look at something and it would go, man, this looks good. And we would leap into it and it would fall apart. But it had no peace with it. It made sense on paper. It made sense to our friends. It made sense to our counsel. And so now peace is the number one checkbox in my life. It has to be there or I will not move on it. 
So everybody can be telling me to do it. Experts in it can say, man, you should really get involved in this. The door could be open like a seven-lane highway. But if I don't have peace in it, and if she doesn't have peace in it, we ain't doing it. You can have it. It belongs to someone else. I got to have the peace of God in my life over all of it because it's worth a lot more than a million dollars to me. If you wanted to, you nowadays you could take a million dollars in one purchase. Easy. I need more than it means more to me than one purchase. It's the priceless thing in my life. I got to have it. It's got to rule my heart. It's got to have dominion on it. It's got to subdue it. So, I want you to bow your heads. Let me let me talk to you for just a second.